The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Are you seeking more energy and ready to have more healings and revealings in your life? Then you've tuned into the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is intentional and dynamic. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone. Oh, my gosh. I just get so excited every week when we're going to have our show, not only on Facebook Live, but also uh, for audio. For those of you that like to have it when you're jogging or when you're doing yoga, etc. And I just love that we have so many intentional spirits out there. I feel so blessed by each and every one of you and the many ways in which you participate by adding your comments, letting you know where you're letting us know where you're from. But also, I love the fact that you are intentional. You know, I think that's uh, something that describes an intentional spirit, too. We always show up when there's a class with our notebook ready to take notes. I know I do every time I put on some of these cruises and host them and there's different speakers and I'm there right in the front making notes, looking at my life. How can I be more intentional? How can I move beyond just being a person with good intentions? Uh, not long ago, I, I met someone that she's our guest today and I just really got her immediately energetically and spiritually. Her name is Lynn Forrest. Isn't that a beautiful name? Lynn Forrest. She is a shamanic practitioner she has a huge background and has helped in so many ways people move forward and beyond victim consciousness lynn welcome to our show today it's a pleasure to have you thank you so much and you're right i i felt the energetic uh, imprint of who you were right away too we recognized each other and that's the way it often is isn't it it really is. It really is. And um, it's just such a blessing. And I couldn't wait to have you on the show because I I think that that's been one of the greatest things um, that I have learned in, in metaphysics and through being exposed to other mediums of truth, if you will, is um, the whole idea of moving beyond victimhood and actually understanding the various levels of consciousness and you have uh, defined so many of them that help people understand i think if we can understand sometimes we can make a movement towards change so 
Get us warmed up today, girl. Start talking. Last week we had all this stuff about taking dysfunction out of relationship. And so this week we're all about expanding our consciousness, which for those of you that like a more simple word, expanding your ability to be awake. <laughs> there you I like have it. it. I like it. That's great. Well, maybe it's be- maybe it's a good idea to just start with the definition of, of what victim consciousness is. That's a... Yes. Um, a, a phrase that is used widely today, um, not so when I started this work, um, but victim consciousness, as I define it, is any time that we see something outside of us as being the cause of our uh, failure or misery. In other words, it's we're, we're in victim consciousness when we think things like, he made me do that, she kept me from, they won't let me, I can't because we, we see the world and ourselves as being at the mercy of the world. And that's what victim consciousness is. We, now, all of us go through times when we are truly victims, when we are di- victims of disease, for instance, or of uh, severe weather events like, like, um, the, the hurricane that came through here not so long ago and, or, or we're victims of others, of abuse, of, of um, negligence of all kinds of there's all kinds of things that we truly experience as victims but that but whether or not we are in victim consciousness is a choice it's not what happens to us but where we go with that in our mind that determines whether or not we're in victim consciousness and so it's a state of consciousness that i'm addressing here not the things that happen but how do I rise above the things that happen? How do I move past it so that I'm not stuck in that mentality, feeling at the mercy of and powerless over and, and then blaming the outside world? Blame is the number one characteristic of victim consciousness. Anytime I'm in blame, I'm in victim consciousness. Because rather than, and there's another way to do it. And so, so I've spent 40 years working with people, individuals, families, groups, workshops, uh, exploring and, and listening to their stories and learning about how to do that. I've put together a process I call the reality formula. It is a, it is an antidote to victim consciousness. Uh, the, the opposite of victim consciousness is not victor consciousness, as we like to think. That's actually just another move around the triangle of victim consciousness. There are three faces in victim. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, but it is about um, moving to what we call observer consciousness, the ability to step outside and how and turn the happenings in our life that are so catastrophic, that are such a crisis force in the moment, how do we turn those into gold? How do we turn them into the, the fertilizer that, that deepens and enriches our consciousness? So that, that's that. the process. I, I, I love that, and I, I, I really want um, and look forward to your elaboration of those aspects and part of the, the triangle awareness. I, I also uh, want to highlight, um, at least in my own evolution or a continuing process of, I, I'm sure you do too, I, we grow every day. We have a new insight or something, and that's one of the most exciting things about life. But I also think for for people that are are listening and often 
have been frustrated. It's like, well, wow, here I am, and I'm blaming somebody else again. I'm I'm saying it's so-and-so's fault. I'm not taking ownership. I'm not realizing that I'm co-responsible or that I'm totally responsible or whatever. I think it's important for people to see that we start early on in our culture being trained to be victims. You know, it, it, it benefits commercialization. It benefits you know, going bankrupt for college degrees. It benefits being um, a person that says just yes to things without thinking it through. There's a broad level of training that we've had since we were very little, even defining us as good or bad. Uh, From the early stages, we are trained by others around us and systems to make us feel like we're missing something. And we won't, be whole. we won't be whole until we have it. So I just want to highlight that as you're listening to Lynn's uh, brilliance today. I've been looking at her work, and it's beneficial to you and me deeply. But I also think with some ingrained compassion, we want to understand we didn't get this way overnight because we've been programmed for a long, a long time. And the good news is in that awakening of what she's offering today – we can move very quickly. As a matter of fact, along those same lines, I I would want to add that victim consciousness is not an aberration, so to speak. It is. It is generations at least old. I mean, I have a friend who's traced its origins all the way back to Greek times when uh, the powers that be actually set in place through through definitions and and labels and, and contract agreements a way of life that is very much about living in, in in slavery to a mentality that says I'm at the mercy of, that says uh, I'm a slave to. And and I think we often feel that way. We And it is in our DNA now. It has been passed on through what I call lineage belief systems. It, what's underlying victim consciousness is always some sort of what we call core belief about who we are, a a reduced idea of being a limited self, of seeing ourselves as not good enough, as not worth as much as, as as Mm -hmm. not as being a failure, as there's some sort of core belief. And like I said, they they, they actually come down to us through our lineage. Uh, epigenetics has shown that it, they are encoded in our DNA, much like the Library of Congress, as it was originally designed, there was this idea once upon a time that it would hold every book that was ever written. Well, you know, the e-books and blah, 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 that's impossible. But that whole idea of it being an archival place where all the ideas of the world, that doesn't mean the librarian has read every one of those books, much less agrees with them. In our DNA, there are encoded every belief system of both the matriarchal and the patriarchal lineage that goes all the way back to the genesis of our origins. And these are lying dormant in our DNA. And what happens is in our, sometime before the age of five, even in utero, this can occur. The, 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 the psyche will there will be an what I call an activating event. Mm-hmm. Something will happen that will activate the dormant uh, belief system, uh, maybe of an ancestor 30 generations back even, that that all of a sudden it, it becomes the brain's 
And and because the brain is always wanting to know why. It always wants to understand why this happened. What does it mean about me? This is the way the mind works. And so it begins to scan through that DNA archive in order to find the reason. And so say it reaches back 30 generations and pulls forward the reason that this painful thing happened in your life is because, and it will, it's because you're, you're not good enough, because you're unlovable, because you don't have what it takes, because this is an unsafe place, because men can't be trusted, because whatever it is, and once we, we don't even question it. We just take it on. It's like it becomes the explanation. And once we take it on, and this, mm-hmm. this brings me to the reality formula, which is an actual formula. It's the form, it's the way every mind operates. And that is this. When we marry a thought, it becomes a belief. And when we believe what we think, two things automatically happen. One is that we begin to feel all the feelings that goes with that belief. And the second thing is we begin to act as if that belief is true. And when we Mm. feel and act as if what we believe is true, we will react to life in a way as seen through that lens of belief that will encourage and actually teach others to respond to us in ways that prove us right. So we're all of us walking around looking at life through a particular lens, a, a, a set of beliefs that we are looking to verify, and we see what we are looking for. That is, that is, there can be opposite evidence right there beside it, but we will focus in on and and accrue the evidence that fits what it is we're believing. And so that's how we, I like to say, just because you have evidence doesn't make it true. All that means, evidence so often simply means that this is how committed to this belief I am, that it's all I see, it's all I look for. I'm constantly... constantly unconsciously setting up my life to gather the evidence that verifies. And there's a reason for it. It's not for nothing, because how else am I going to see what it is that I'm believing that's standing between me and the essential Mm -hmm. self, who I really am, except that I play it out on the ground by believing it into being the reality that I experience so that I can um, experience the harvest of that belief system and thereby begin to question it. Isn't that what growth is? It's when we start questioning our limited beliefs, when we start saying, well, I don't know exactly that that's true, but here's what happens when I believe it. Here's what happens when I live according to it, and I don't like where that takes me. Is there another way to see this? This is mm-hmm. this is what it is to move past victim consciousness. It's that constant questing and i i frankly believe that it's all that victim consciousness is a part of the design in awakening it's it's the starting point it's where we start from yeah that's that's very powerful and to kind of put some conceptual ideas upon it i was thinking about early on um, when I was, uh, you know, it takes a lot, if we just look at like prosperity and abundance, whether it's manifesting law of attraction or actually just uh, the simple concept of increasing one's income 
and decreasing one's outflow. I remember when I was working with breaking that paradigm, you know, because I, I, I grew up very comfortably. But also, I remember it, there was a time when I wanted to exceed what my parents had done. Not in any kind of competitive way. It's just that what meant a lot for my definitions were different than theirs. That's all. But I remember that when I was early days of doing that, and I'm sure that some of you listening can relate, is I was stretching and I was carrying some of those beliefs that they had carried or that I had heard from others. Um, Every time I get ahead, something happens. And can you believe it? Now I got ahead and, and the car broke down. And and what you're saying is exactly what became the practice, you know, in my 20s and leading into my 30s, was that I realized that I was still just playing that out. So I was affirming it. I was playing it. I was, I was made right. My beliefs were making it right. I'd get a little bit ahead in another area, and then something would happen. I would even learn to say it fancier, but the same thing would occur until, like you said, I became the observer of the untruth, and I would shake it up. And so if the car would break down and I would go, see, look at this. Now I got to take care of this and it's going to cost blah, 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 blah. Instead of going to that place, which was an old paradigm, I went, how long have I had this car? Oh, huh, five years. And how many times has it let me down? Twice. Oh, well, I don't even know a person that's that reliable. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? That's great. Right? That's exactly it. You just begin to question. You're saying question when you feel like a victim. Instead of calling all your committee and saying, here we are again, um, question that feeling around that. It's about about, if we look at the triangle, let me just define the three roles that we play when we're in victim consciousness. They're actually defense. Strategies, Temple. It's like uh-huh. this. It's one of three things we do when we're in victim consciousness, and and so as soon as we move into a state where we feel at the mercy of something outside of us, like my car broke down, for instance. That's a good simple example. Uh, my car mm-hmm. broke down. Now I can't get to where I need, and and it, it, this is this is because so and so didn't take care of it, or whatever. You know, we the as soon as we we see something outside of us is the, is the source of our unhappiness and it's happening to me because I just don't deserve more. Very often that's, we'll, we'll, we'll pull that core belief up to the surface. It's, it's because I never can get ahead. It's because it just doesn't work out for me or whatever our explanation is, again, whatever the lineage is. Then as soon as we do that, we take on one of these three roles. We either, we go into collapse, which is the victim face of victim consciousness the victim victim i'll call it uh where i move into this place of it's oh it's just too hard i just can't do this it's i just need somebody to save me i need somebody to fix this for me i just don't have what it takes i don't it's that Mm -hmm. place of collapse that that is a defense strategy and it is, and why is it a defense strategy? Because it works. Very often when we go into collapse, we do get somebody. Somebody else will come along and pick us up and carry us. And so it's like that, it's, it, it works. The second, the second defense strategy that is the second place on the, on the victim triangle, if you, po- if you picture a triangle 
pointing down, that's the victim triangle, with the V at the bottom, the victim at the bottom. So as soon as we move into feeling at the mercy of, I've entered victim consciousness, and we'll, ha- we'll experience a collapse. Now, do we stay there, or do we move to the second defense strategy? The second defense strategy, and you will see it in every two-year-old, it's a, actually it's a natural part of our development, of our maturation as spiritual beings, because that's what the life journey is all about, where these spiritual beings going through this initiation, I call it boot camp for souls, here on planet Earth, you know, it's sort of... Second stop is the bully, the persecutor mentality. It's like attack. It's not, all right. Whoever caused this, I'm going. You know, I will. I will. I'll fix it. They will not get me. I will get them first before I'm going to hurt them before they hurt me. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to fight back. It's that sort of. And you see it in two year olds. It's like that's my toy. Bam, bam, bam. And and that's that's a natural stage of development. But if you're still stuck in it and you're 40 and you're 60, then that's a little hard to be around. And, you know, it, it's, it's a stuck place. We get stuck in these developmental stages, these defense strategies. It becomes a way, a defense strategy, a way of life. And then the third phase, which is a hard one for us to see very often, and it is sort of top of the food chain in terms of victim consciousness because it's the rescuer. And it's hard for us to recognize as rescuers that that is also a state of a defense strategy, a stage of victim consciousness. But here's why that's so. When we move into the rescuer, it's sort of like I'm tired of leaving bodies in the wake. I'm tired of the, the wreckage that, that living out of persecutor. I'm tired of feeling helpless and at the mercy of it and the victim and striking out. I want to serve. I truly want to serve. I want to do better. And so what we do, the next step then, the natural evolution of the defense strategy road, if you want to call it, is the rescuer, which is, so I will fix it. I will make it better for the world. I will clean up this problem. I know what they need. I don't know what I need. You know, there's a joke about the rescuer, and it it is that, you know, how we hear that when we, at the moment of our death, our life passes before our eyes. Well, for the rescuer, the consummate rescuer, it's somebody else's life that passes before their eyes because they haven't been living their own. They've been living their life for everyone else, fixing everyone else's problems. They, and their life may be a mess, but boy, do they know what you need to do. And it's that sort of, it's still not self-responsible, the ability to respond, responsibility, the ability to respond in a way that says, This is for me, not to me. This is not against me. This is for me. And to begin to trust that's true in other people's lives, that the things that happen to us that are painful are also most often our greatest teachers, that they are Mm -hmm. our, our initiations rather than some terrible thing that has gotten in the way of me being able to have a good life. No, it's part of the process of me learning how to wake up to the beautiful life I'm having because there's always that. Peace is available in any moment. All we have to do is get quiet, quiet in the mind, stop running the stories momentarily that we like to run, and simply observe the peace that is here, even in the middle of a war zone. If you get quiet enough and you listen, you will hear underlying it all 
of peace. There's peace. And so it's always present, this beautiful life that we have. So returning to that. And that means that, so those are the faces of victim consciousness. And once we get on that triangle, we don't just move to one defense strategy and stay there. No, we move around them ad nauseum. And some of us live our whole life on that triangle where we're just moving from victim to persecutor to real, uh, to, to rescuer, or we're moving back and forth from victim to rescuers. And we will attract people to play that dynamic out with because it's how we play out our story, our lens, whatever our core beliefs are, that is our story. It's like if I have a story that I'm going to be abandoned, that no one will ever love me, over and over again I will be attracted to and attract to me because we're vibrational beings. Thoughts are electromagnetic. They attract like thoughts and and a reflection they they attract to us the reflection of what we're believing the evidence for it and we will choose that and play that out until we begin to question it until we begin to step back into observer which is the fourth place it's the missing fourth as carl jung used to call it it's the missing four which is that place of stepping in and saying well how is this for me I sent you a list of 10 metaphysical laws. And, but let me stop there a minute, and we'll talk about those in a minute um, but, and see if if you want to add anything to that or um, if that makes well, sense. Well, I just question me about it. know that people are responding and loving the conversation, and I want to urge those that are with us on Facebook Live, please add your, add your comments and uh, your thoughts and your ideas. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love it to be uh, interactive and I know that um, I mean this is just a it's a beautiful and a rich and it's the kind of conversation we could actually have every week on this show because um, because uh, we tend to be saturated by uh, things and and breaking news that we're always deciding that it doesn't have to break us and you know things that we're caught off guard by or the more friends you have the more you know or you can just uh, spend a you know 15 minutes on on Facebook on newsfeed and you're deciding am I a victim am I am I in a space of seeing it's all working together for the highest and best good it's it's a beautiful rich uh, conversation that you're adding, Lynn, and it to me, it's not an arrival place. It's the joy that we find every now and then with that aha moment of, wait a minute, I've been seeing this from a different limited set of eyes all along, and now I can see that are people just trying to help me be more loving or be more uh, energetic or stay younger or, you know, whatever. But I just want to emphasize to everyone that you can go to lynnforrest.com and of course as unique as she is in conversation she's unique in the spelling of her name so i'm just going to say it it's l-y-n-n-e forest with two r's l-y-n-n-e forest with two r's.com and i want to welcome my friend kim today and danielle and missy and rosina and and Carol and so many so many of you that are that are tuning in uh Ilana it's so good to see you so it's just a great um a great space to to work with these concepts and 
you describe, Lynn, so many layers of of consciousness and how in the being aware of them, we can be attentive to them and and create uh, a transformation of, of change or more of a practice of from reactive to proactive. Let me see what Missy's saying um, today. Uh, having experienced trauma and, and near death, um, going back to the age of three, and now... Um, and jokes. Oh, her husband jokes that she's like a cat. And how she's learned from the that she's had, yes, with the nine lives. Thank you, Missy, for your for your comments. We're being anonymous and not sharing your last name, but we appreciate that that feedback. It is incredible what the human soul uh, can experience and come on the other side of it and be greater than we were before. And, and Lynn, you know, what I believe is that, again, we're trained often in victimhood, that the more things that happen to you, the less of you you have. You know, you're worn out, you're tired. Well, no wonder you're old because look what you've been through, honey. You know, God doesn't give you any more than you can handle. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you get up every day. I mean, there's this whole bombarded conversation that people have in their in their energy field if they allow it, where I believe that every depth of experience we have, tragic trauma, sadness, grief, whatever those are, they can shape-shift us ultimately on the other side to have more energy and to bring more to the table than we ever have. At least in speaking from experience, once I was able to have that shift, that's what I started seeing proving itself to me. We're not saying you don't have feelings. We're not saying pretend it didn't happen. Um, that's not what Lynn is saying. She's saying learn to approach it different. Learn to approach it that this is for me. And from that, that's where great depth comes. That's why we pay attention to certain orators or people who write certain things. It's because we know on that agreement level of our souls that they've been through it and they're better people because of it. Yes, yes. And that, that brings me to the, the ten laws of reality that I've, these are, let me just say a word or two about how I came into this. My, my mother was uh, a metaphysical seeker and she was an editor for a publishing company, well read, and she began to bring me books on metaphysics at the age of 10, 11, 12. So I was reading the Vedas and, and uh, the Masters of the Far East and the, that kind of stuff as a youngster. And what I found, and then I went on to explore the Kabbalah and the, the Tree of Life and uh, the, the, all sorts of different I've spent time in Peru working with the Keros Indians and studying there, and, and alchemy and, and all of these different uh, sciences over the years and, and have been in private practice since 1985 and began to, what I began to do was bring all of that in in terms of, all right, how do you treat this? victim consciousness how do you what do you what works on the ground what are the practical ways that are in keeping with metaphysical laws that have been around since go all the way back to hermes trismegistus all the way back to egyptian 
times. And, and what I found is that there are certain principles that are found in every doctrine of truth, regardless of its origin, that these are the doctrines, these are the principles that are repeated over and over again as the mainstay. I've come to see them as the structural foundation of reality. They define reality. When we see the world through eyes based in reality, this is how we see the world. And I've pulled together 10 of those constructs. There are 14 in my book. I've since um, brought them down to 10, combined a few of those there, and developed into 10. And these become the antidote to victim consciousness. When I see the world, instead of seeing the painful happening that I, I may be currently experiencing, where maybe... Uh, someone I love has died, or maybe uh, uh, there's a divorce or mm-hmm. or some kind of crisis in my life. It's not that those things aren't for real. It's not that our feelings, and that we don't need to have our feelings, that's part of the human state. We're here to experience these. They are the vibratory um, response to how we're seeing it, but and feelings come from what we're what we're believing, what we're operating out of, what mindset we're operating out of. So again, we believe it, we feel it, and then we react out of it. And so, what do we do instead? Well, we begin to bring in some of these principles. The, the law of mentalism, for instance, that that's the cause and effect that says that there are no coincidences, that there's nothing that happens that doesn't have a cause. Everything has a cause, and that we are, and that. The ancients saw us as, as being, uh, saw the universe, all 400 billion galaxies, as being contained, all of it, within the one mind of the universal, and which is the universal mind. We're all thought emanations of that one mind, and, and that's what breathes life into us and supports us, and it has a purpose, so that no matter what happens, we are a vibrational match for the happenings in our lives, not because we deserve it, not because we didn't do it right, but because this is the, the mirroring. The law, the, the world is a mirror, is one of the, is one of the, uh, which is the law of reflection. It's the, the law that says that whatever I'm believing, I will attract to me that which will give me the opportunity to experience in form life. And the, on this dense planet of form, this is what we're here to do, to have the opportunity to play out in three-dimensional form that which we on some level are believing and probably unconsciously believing so that we can then step back from it and say, how is this for me? What is this teaching me? What is the lesson, the opportunity, the initiation in this for me? Not how do I get over it necessarily, although, of course, we all want to. Not why is this happening to me, but why is this a part of my life? Why did I need this in my life? What am I being asked to learn? That is how we start with moving past victim consciousness. We begin to see it as an initiation rather than this terrible crisis that has had befallen me and that I'm at the mercy of. And so we begin to, and once we do that, that opens us up. It opens us up to begin to understand that because we are vibrational beings, because we are just like every strand on a piano, 
when you hit that chord, it, it strikes a particular note, and that note will have characteristics. You know, um, a major C is very different sound than a, a, a F sharp, and yet one is dissonant and, and maybe unsettling. The other is, har- there's a harmony to it and a, a richness that, and so there are characteristics of these vibrations that are set up simply by the, the number of oscillations. And so our thoughts are like that. We have high-frequency thoughts, and we have low-frequency thoughts. Thoughts based in fear uh, and, and resentment are what we call denser thoughts. They are thoughts that are going to um, attract to us that which is of that resonance so that we can see it, so that we can experience it. And step back from it and learn from it and learn how to, to transform it alchemically. How do I turn, how do I shift this into a higher frequency? How do I move it up the frequency scale? So that is so much about what my work with people is about, if that makes sense. Oh, it totally does. And I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking, and I'm, I'm, we're getting uh, good feedback from Missy because she said that she's never asked why me when trauma or something tragic was happening. She would say, you would, she would ask, what is my, what is my purpose, you know, in, in this Absolutely. experience? And I know that often, you know, when when people are enduring certain events, or or they find out their their teenager is on drugs, or you know, or they thought that they had their right and perfect soulmate forever and they're totally shocked when they find out that they're now breaking up or, you know, whatever it is that's part of being a, a, a human being um, in this experience. I think on some subtle level, often there's resistance in what it is just to be human. You know, there is that, that path of resistance. So when one accepts the... This is what it is to be human. This is what it is to live life. This is what it is. This is what it looks like. I think there's, to me, there's a big aha moment just in that. As subtle as it might sound, I think it's profound. Like, this is it, you know? Mm -hmm. This is the way it's designed to be. And I think the other part is, and I'm sure you find it with people that you work with. I find it with people that I work with is people are already they're uh, delving into a situation that in the appearance and, and feeling that level of, of victim, they feel like it's already taken a lot of their time, effort, and energy. I'm sure you've had the same response. When I give them certain windows to be willing to look at, often they say, you know what, it just sounds like too much work to me. What they don't understand, it's that one thing or those two things that, welcoming that shift and how they're looking at it what people don't often understand is not only do you transform the moment the event that you're in you no longer need to have another one that looks like that that's the power in what you're talking about because you move from that lower vibration of i can't believe i'm here again i don't know how this happened i thought i was wiser i thought i chose different i thought i did a background check i thought i did blah 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 and you know people don't understand that when you get it you're willing to put in the work to get it about whatever it is that you're facing that you feel gets you you're transformed forever you don't have any situation that even is a cousin to that situation show up in your life again. And I find that 
tremendously profound. Tremendously. Yeah, it's true. It's sort of like when some you're. I very often work with couples, and, and they're they're ready to go separate ways. And I will say to them, "Well, you know that I'm not here to decide what what you need to do, and it may very well be that that's what you that that is the best thing for you both." I will say this: that whatever belief system you attracted each other into your life to make conscious. If mm-hmm. you either use this relationship to make that conscious and, and transform it, or you will go out and repeat, mm-hmm. chances are, it, it'll be a different package. They, the, the next person will look totally different. It may be in it, but it will be the same underlying belief system until you begin to make that conscious. The life, this is boot camp. This is not easy peasy street this is not this idea we have about the world should be utopia this we have these utopian ideas we live in shouldville it should be different i like to say that shouldville is the hometown of the victim ego because it does not exist where on the planet do you find things are as you think they should be it's not reality things are the way they are and that is the way they should be why is that? Because vibrationally, that's the thing I need for the next step of growth. So I either do that now, or like you said, I will get to do it again later. And every time I address, I'm peeling away another layer of that core belief. So you're right. I don't, I, I don't have to do that. Next, next relationship, if there is a next one, or the next phase of this relationship. You know, I had a woman who'd been married 30 years. She said, well, you know... I've done the same thing as divorcees have done. I've just done it with the same person. I've gone away from that person for periods of divorced him in my mind and then come back together, you know, and, and, and quote, married him again without ever going through the paperwork. It's that same sort of the stages, the cycles of life that we move through. And, you know, we are on a wheel. What does the, the Buddhist call it? The wheel of suffering, right? The wheel of life. If you were to take the victim triangle and put it to the bottom of that wheel and then take the upward facing triangle which is the the observer consciousness it's reality it's the it's the structure it's the divine trinity and you put that at the top of that wheel that's where we all aspire to be we want to live there at the top of the wheel where where we see peace where we are in touch with our the purpose of our life where we're in meaning and in and we want to hang out right there and we don't want to go down into the, but wheels turn. And you know what else? They turn for a purpose because a, a vehicle cannot move forward without that turning of the wheel. And that means that you're going to, we're going to go back into our story on some level. We're going to go back into victim consciousness. None of us are going to uh, be able to never have to go there again. It's not how many times you go there. It's not whether or not you go into victim consciousness. It's how long does it take me to recognize that I'm there and what do I then do? Do I have the tools to begin to move back up to the top of the wheel again? Where again? I will, I will peel away that layer. I'm on top again and then there will be another, another aspect. And so it is that perpetual turning and going forward that makes progress. And for people just to understand that so that we no longer see it as a problem even that I'm in victim consciousness. It's just time 
for work in the trenches. It's just I'm going down into the trenches to go to evidently because here I am. Yeah, and I'm just what, pulling another layer off off the onion, and I, I, um, I'm always fascinated how how quick our our time moves along when we're talking, and it's so evident that um, we need to have you on the show more often. And it's been two weeks in a row of just the hottest conversation. And so it's very evident to me that this needs to be continued if you would be willing um, for other times. But I I do think that there's another important thing that um, I would like to just put a yellow magic marker on. And I know that we're using this broad word called victim, but I think if people don't react to a label like, well, I don't do that anymore. I stopped doing that years ago. And they see the generalities of that Anytime we even become more expansive, you know, and feel like, oh, I'm moving along, you know, wow, moving along, something can come along and totally catch you off guard or some reaction to somebody saying there's no global warming or somebody saying, oh, now they're killing elephants. I mean, come on. There's a level of victimhood that comes to emerge. But the other part of it is that I want to put on the, the with the yellow highlighter is that as we transform our response to feeling and being that way, the impact that we have on other people. And I think that's so powerful because so many people, when they have something happen to them, and you can see it on Facebook, you see that people start joining them at the level that they are. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm simply saying that there's an opportunity often When people are going through the life changes or the tragedy or whatever, when we don't immediately jump into victimhood with them, but we have empathy, we have care, we have, uh, I I acknowledge you, there's a space that we can hold because we know that the other side isn't tomorrow or even, you know, next week sometimes, but we know ultimately on down the road, things are only going to be better. hold that space for them i don't know that i'm articulating that very well i know i know what i mean but i you know i often say that that we're not helping somebody if the boat is rocky rocky jumping in with rockiness we're helping by being the lighthouse saying come here go over in that direction here's where the light is we're you know that kind of thing and that's a powerful thing to learn how to participate with other people in the world and see them whole, no matter what they're going through temporarily, see them as part of infinity and having the wisdom of getting through whatever it is that they are, they are witnessing. Yes, absolutely. By being the rock, by be holding steady. Yeah. And they, and, and then there will be an opportunity when we'll need that, that someone to hold steady. It's, it's, it's a it's a it's a give and take kind of thing. That's what it is to be interdependent, and what it is to support one another on this road where we go around. While we go around the wheel in the process of transforming our consciousness and growing and expanding awareness, as you said, it's like I'm reminded that we all have. This is what free will is. So the thing that we have free will about is that we each get to choose what how we will see the world we get to we get to choose whether we we see it 
from a fear-based place that brings a low-frequency um, output, a vibration that will attract that which will evidence what we see, or whether we will see it in a way that grows us, expands us, and heightens us so that we move into a higher state. And when we shift mm-hmm. into a higher state vibrationally, we immediately, our, our, what, what we have reflected to us, our outside world will shift to show us that. I've had that happen over and over again, where just because, while, just by holding peace, by holding a place of equanimity, non-judgment, acceptance of where another is, regardless of how angry, for instance, they may be in that moment, by holding that space of love and acceptance, that they will that they will step up to it, or at least um, or move on. It, it, it's either the energy moves on; it no longer is a fit; it no longer needs to 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 be in my life, or it will transform even as I hold that. And so it, it's amazing. The thing I love to say about these principles is that they work every time you use them. Only every time. And, Every time. and we don't have to I wait. I mean, really, what can you do or take or put in your body that you can say every time? Well, these yeah. principles, um, you can. I want to reiterate to go to check out Lynn and her and her beautiful work. Um, it's lynnforest.com. That's L-Y-N-N-E-F-O-R-R-E-S-T.com. She has a, a beautiful book about beyond the victim consciousness, guiding principles for life. And I think that's the beauty of what is spoken. We're not talking about just increasing value in 2018. We're talking for life. Um, Lynn, we have a couple of minutes left, if you can believe it. (laughs) I love you. I tell you, we're so fortunate to have um, Unity uh, radio and we touch people all over the world and i i thank all of you tuning in because you um are blessing people and you share this video and you share the mp3s and and thanks to you we have a um a, a beautiful group of people that are that are listening to us and participating um leave us with some uh final final words we would appreciate that that we can take with us for the rest of the week what are what's something that you as oprah would say something that you you know for sure if you whoever you are wherever you are if you are in a rocky time right now and so many of us are the war not only are we as individuals evolving our consciousness and awakening it's happening on on a planetary level it's happening on uh, the, the the planetary consciousness is shifting and very often one of the things that the hour is the darkest just before dawn and remembering that and so by bringing these principles into our lives and beginning to insist on seeing whatever our crisis is whatever our rocky time consists of whatever it is we're believing find what it is we're believing bring that up and question it is it true when I believe it, how do I feel? How do I act? Who do I become? And how might I see it in a higher frequency way? So, and, and move towards that and, the, and know that you're participating in the planetary evolution. You're here by design on purpose. No mistake. 
I love it. I love it. Well, God bless all of you on this amazing journey that we call life. Thank you for tuning in. Please join us next week on Facebook Live on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. That's Eastern Time. We really appreciate you and your involvement and all the comments. And also, uh, Lynn, thank you for your work. Thank you for being with us. And I look forward to knowing more about your work and having you on the show again. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Tampo, for this opportunity. Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org or www.templehaze.org. Ever notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, Join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. Everyone has purpose in life, but too often that purpose goes undiscovered. There is a simple way you can discover your special purpose in life. Draw up a list of all the qualities you value in yourself and that others admire in you. Don't be shy. There are probably many of them. Then, look at the ways in which you interact most effectively with other people. Are you a good leader? A good teacher? A good organizer? A good listener? Finally, describe in as much detail as you can what your world would be like under the best of all possible circumstances. Your purpose in life is to use your best qualities in the service of the kind of world in which you would like to live. This Law of Life is brought to you by Unity. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. The world is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. 
In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things. As she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find my God. We spend a third of our lives sleeping and dreaming, yet most of us have no idea what goes on during that time. I'm Kelly Sullivan Walden, and as a dream expert and best-selling author, I'm here to empower you to mine the gold from your nighttime dreams. Join me on the Kelly Sullivan Walden Show, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until we meet again, don't take your dreams lying down.